Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom sees our famed adventurer joined by a new love interest and a kid named Short Round. This second outing tends to be divisive, so let's hop into a minecart and find out where we land. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. Kalima! Kalima! This is a movie podcast. We are working through the Indiana Jones franchise building up to Dial of Destiny, number five, the new entry that's coming out. And this is obviously the second movie in the franchise. This is Temple of Doom. Or, sorry, yes. Indiana Jones and the Temple <laughs> of Doom to give the Episode full title. Episode five, Indiana <laughs> Jones, whatever. Yeah, so interesting coming into this one we'll start spoiler free of course as we always do we'll give you a warning mm. before we go into the spoilers but the interesting thing about this one and i have seen them all before but it's been a long time since i've seen any of the sequels is that the general consensus and i remember because even before crystal skull i remember the consensus of the trilogy online was that mm. most people didn't like temple of doom that much but there was a very vocal minority who said it was the best one right I, I, I've definitely heard this as well, where Raiders is, of course, just everyone loves. Everyone's got high opinions of Raiders, but then Temple of Doom's that one where either, eh, or why did they stop making it? <laughs> so, very divisive. Arguably the most divisive one, because, like, Crystal Skull's not divisive. No. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's a couple of weird defenders, but it's not divisive. No. Uh, whereas there's a very passionate cult following for Temple of Doom, but the majority seem to not like it as much compared to the rest of the original trilogy. So, uh, very curious getting into to see how we both feel. Uh, so we'll yeah. we'll have a we'll have a, a good long and in depth chat about this one, and uh, get into it. Um, I do have to laugh though because you last last episode I mentioned this was a prequel, and you said something to the effect of, "Is it really a prequel? Is that just like fan speculation?" And okay. this movie starts with the year coming up on screen. Okay. All right. I, I, I could admit that I am wrong on that. However, my exact wording was, I, I thought that that was just a fan theory. And you specifically said that they go in reverse order, which just spoilers for the next movie. I checked. It comes in 1936 after oh, Raiders. Well, what are you talking about? I didn't say that. I never said yeah, no such did. thing. No, you, I did not. No, you absolutely did. You absolutely did. I would I never, would... I would never have said Last Crusade is set before the other two films because it's not. It's a sequel to the first one. I would never have said that. Then maybe, maybe I just heard that because that's the that's the theory I always heard online is that the movies actually are watched in the rever- chronologically they came out in the reverse. No, no, the order. opening of Last Crusade has a young like he's a kid and this is how he becomes Indiana Jones like flashback, right. but mm-hmm. no, the third movie set after the first two, All right. but. Temple of Doom is set before Raiders. At least we can agree that Crystal Skull happens before all of it. That has to be true. <laughs> How did... It, what, is he Benjamin Button? What? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, no. 1935. I laughed when it came up, just because you made a yeah. fuss about it last time. I I, I, I just I started cackling. I was like, ah, ha, 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 oh, he looks like an idiot now. Oh, I did the same oh, reaction, <laughs> but I did it knowing that you would be cackling and bringing it up. I turned to my, <laughs> turned to my girlfriend, and I was just like, oh, okay, this happened in 35. Crap. <laughs> 
So that started me off in a good mood. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we'll get to uh, the basic uh, gist of this one. Uh, effectively, Indy and his young child sidekick Short Round and his love interest for this movie. We'll talk about who they are and all that a bit later. But they end up in India, and there's a whole story as to how they end up in India. But they mm-hmm. end up going to this palace. Uh, to investigate because all these kids have been getting well kidnapped from this local village as well as the magical stone that the village all worships Which or something i i do appreciate the fact that in this movie the biggest thing is the stone like that's all the elders and like the his actual mission is hey get the stone and i guess the kids if you can help it but like the stone <laughs> So, yeah, and that, that very quickly leads them to sort of cult-like, uh, you know, activity and, like, obviously mm-hmm. a temple's involved because it's called Temple of Doom and all the rest of it. Oh, okay. I get it now. Very funny. <laughs> the audience is all just cackling themselves at this point with droll humor like that. We can see audience retention. Audience, can you rewind that joke and watch it like seven <laughs> times just to really push it to Pete? <laughs> so I guess without further ado, uh, I'll just ask the question and make you start talking mm. about how we feel. David, how do yes. you feel after this viewing of Temple of Doom? Okay, so my one major critique for Raiders was that the middle bit felt like it was just a series of barely connected vignettes and they were all good they were all Mm. fine vignettes but they felt very disconnected this movie felt a lot more connected it felt a lot stronger in the sense of a leads to b leads to c less of a as we called it the and then um but i do think that the story still suffers from it's so tightly knit it's so just all in one location over the course of maybe like five hours for the entire second half of the movie that it just is almost too packed it's too full i felt like as soon as the there's a romance scene in the middle and as soon as that scene ends the movie just does not stop it goes to 110 percent, and it just never lets up and in some movies that works but in this one i felt like i was missing out on a lot of character beats just because it was so much action going on so do i like it yes it is a good movie it is a fine movie but i do see why it's regarded as the black sheep at least compared to raiders yeah um I'm not that fond of this, and okay. I found myself, for the majority of the runtime of this, painfully bored. So yeah, we <laughs> we'll get into why I feel that way. Some of it's down to taste. I, I just mm. not necessarily into the some of the, the the plot ideas of this. But the big thing I felt watching this uh, this time is, and I know it's kind of playing to the serialized or the old serials nature of like, so you know, much like the first film, it starts off with the end of some previous adventure. Yeah. and that sort of but this one more directly dovetails into what this movie story is but there's kind of a feeling to me in this one where how they just end up involved in the main plot of this movie right. where i'm just kind of like wait this is the main plot this is what we're doing mm-hmm. oh okay, okay i guess this is oh this is what the whole movie is okay 
I guess we're yeah. So I, I don't know. The, 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 well, no, I, I agree because it was also with Raiders. We, it was a very clear cut. It was a very here is the end of the last adventure and then going into the next. And as you said, because of the serial nature of it, it makes sense that there would be more of a flow. Like the adventure never ends. There's no point where you could just jump off. But it is strange in how they managed to be. Oh, we're just here now. We're just doing this other thing. We just walked into another adventure rather than them being presented the call. Yeah, I just, that felt a bit off to me. I think the supporting characters in this one are grating. I think the love interest especially, I'm not fond of. Uh, I, I like short round in like small bursts, but yeah, no, the love interest is completely... Well, the thing, with short, the thing with Short Round is I really like him in The Goonies, right? That's what I know mm-hmm. him from. I, I saw The Goonies long before I saw the Indiana Jones movie, so I like him in that as data. But, yeah. like, here, like, you know, he's got a couple of nice little moments with Indy, but, like, for the most part, um, it's the love interest. It's uh, Kate Capshaw's character, Willie. Yeah. That, and I think part of the reason why I don't like her that much, because it's not like the actress has given a bad performance necessarily, it's the she's written to be this like fish out of water uptight like you know i'm a rich girl who likes who doesn't like the wilderness who doesn't like all these things and then on top of all that like how she ends up just sort of tagging along feels just kind of like oh i guess she's just tagging along now like there's not really yeah. much of a a motivation for it like there's a part, part at the start of the film where i'm like she could just not get on that plane and right. go back to her exactly. life and that would be fine but she does the, for some reason the, the moment that indy gets what he wants from her which we'll get into but the moment that he gets that she should be immediately just dropped off and be like well thank you have a nice day enjoy your life goodbye yeah i, I don't understand why she goes on the adventure with them yeah so there's that and I, I think part of the reason why the like her as well is that a lot of her stuff feeds into the other like broad complaint i have about the movie which is, I think this one is a lot sillier. People talk about this one oh, being yeah. darker, and it does technically get darker at a couple of key moments, but mm. the humour and some of the hijinks of this movie are far more, like, slapstick and far more, you know, there's a lot of stuff with her reacting to animals, and there's a dinner scene that goes on for an eternity that's just, yeah, you know, I, like, that. There's two, there's two scenes in this that I particularly hate. There's a dinner scene that goes on for ages and it's all just look at the gross things they're eating and she's reacting to it. And then the mm. other one is when we eventually see like, the the group of villains doing like a ritual of some kind. We'll get into it later. Mm. But that just goes on. And I thought, oh, it's done now because this big thing happened. Oh no, it's still going. It's going to yeah. go on some more. Okay. All right. It, in, <laughs> in regards to the grossness thing of the dinner scene and all that, it really struck me as those 90s commercials for like toys about goo <laughs> okay, where they just yeah. they kept on like showing gross things and the kids are like ew awesome like it was that sort of feeling where they kept on showing it over and over again they're just like are you grossed out are you are you isn't it great isn't it fantastic and it's i don't know it makes the movie feel immature in a way where mm-hmm. it's and especially with her reactions the entire time because the scene that got me that I thought was never going to end is there's a scene where they're taking a rest in the jungle and Indian short round are playing poker against each other. And I like Indian short round playing poker because they're both just like cheating. But the entire time, the absolute entire time 
Willie is just running around, running into an animal, and screaming at the top of her lungs. And I don't know how that passed the first draft of a script. She feels... Maybe this would be annoying to the audience. <laughs> she feels like a character... I think this is the problem. When you compare it to Marion, and it's hard not to, because, you know, literally yeah. she's the replacement love interest, even mm-hmm. though she's first. But, you know, uh, you know, from our perspective, she's the replacement. Um, is that Marion is presented as this tough character who can fend for herself and all these other things, and she's played to such an extent, and she's very memorable and likable as a result. This mm-hmm. character, Willie, feels like she's just been taken out of another dumb 80s comedy and just slotted into this. And she just feels kind of out of place, like, yeah. all the time. Like, she's infecting my indie movie with, I don't know, uh, Romance in the Stone, like, comedy or yeah. something. You know, yeah. I, Something like that, I don't know. I mean, I understand it from a writing perspective that they didn't just want to do Marion again. And that makes complete sense. You don't want to do a repeat of the same movie. That would only work in something like Star Wars. But the the issue with Indiana Jones is that I shouldn't be annoyed by the characters. I shouldn't have to sit there and endure the characters. With Raiders, there wasn't a character like that. And when we get to Crystal Skull, there might be. There could be. <laughs> uh, depends, on, depends on a few things. But for this one, I think Willie was just far and away the worst part in that she i mean she technically had the smallest bit of an arc but even then by the end of the movie she still just is screaming and yelling and shouting indy please save me and i just i got tired of it after like two minutes and this movie went on for two hours uh i think the villains weaker uh you know there's any villains in this that feel like they had the presence i mean not that the villains in the first movie were super in-depth but they had presence you know yeah, I don't know. I by the end of the movie, I liked who was it? Mola Ram is the main villain. Mm. I I liked him as a character, but yeah, I would say he definitely lacked presence, especially because it did take like half the movie hey, for him to see even him. get introduced. Yeah. You don't see him so. until quite late on. So I, I think that's the problem. Even the action, uh, I don't think is good. I think mm. there's a couple of good. Don't worry, wrong. There's, there's two good sequences right towards the end of the film, but they're very late on. And they are a bit more relying on, you know, effects and trickery, you know, rear screen projection, things like that. And there's right. definitely more dated effects sticking out in this one compared to Raiders. Um, there's a lot of, like, composites of, like, people, like, and you can see the matte lines around them when they've got, like, a background behind them. Mm-hmm. There's some ones with, like, Indy and the others, like, standing on the side of a mountain later on the film, where you there can was... kind of see, like, just these cutouts of people sticking against this, you know, uh, yeah. like, you know whatever the plate is from behind it, so... There's the a lot very, of that going on. The very first one that got me was the opening title sequence because they did this thing where it's, it's a whole dance number, which yeah. I can only imagine indie fans going into the next movie and they are opened up with a Chinese version of Anything Goes. And they're just like, where's my temple? What's going on? <laughs> but um, the compositing on that, you're supposed to have Willie in front of the titles you're supposed to be like she mm. all of her hands and stuff are rotoscope to be in front of the titles but you can see when it says temple of doom at the bottom willie is supposed to be blocking the word of but it's still like very faded but still very mm. visible against her dress and that just felt like that seems like an easy fix that seems like you just don't put the word of there i don't <laughs> understand why yeah why is this even still here 
Yeah, nah, you have that, but I, you know, I, I do think some of the action like, earlier on is is silly. People always bring up the fridge from Temple uh, from Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll we'll talk about it properly when we get to spoilers. But I'll I'll say the uh, the lifeboat. Uh, I'll just call it that scene. <laughs> I, I yeah, I think that's absurd, and I I think the action in Raiders of the Lost Ark will you know has a bit of spectacle to it you know it's largely stunt work and it's largely things that they're just doing in camera so it looks very impressive like the car chase in the first movie is excellent and while everyone remembers the main car in this and it is fun conceptually and it's it's relatively entertaining to watch it's not as impressive on a like a filming level because it's just you know so much of it is just rear screen projection and other tricks right. sometimes you know it's sped up to make it look faster and, and you know and all these other things so I think the action is less impressive, by and large. Uh, mm-hmm. And the two scenes that I would say are good, but the action are right towards the end. So it's a long time waiting for them. Um, I think, you know, it. you said it turns up about halfway through and never stops. I think that's true in terms of, like, heavy plot. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'd say from an action perspective, because I felt there's an... When I mentioned how the, uh, the bad guys are doing their ritual, right? Right. Our main characters, Indy and the sidekicks are just watching this for what felt like 15 minutes. And it's probably not actually that long, but it feels like a long time of just, oh, we've right. just stumbled into this bit now, and now we're watching this, and, you know, that's us now for, for a while. And so, so yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I don't, when I say action, I don't say it in terms of actual action, because you're right, there are just moments of, what the movie is trying to do is creeping dread, is trying yeah. to do this, like, scary sort of scene. But when i say action what i mean more is we don't have those character moments we don't have the moments of marion and indy on the boat anymore we don't have the moments of just taking a sec taking a breath there is no point from the point where they finish the romance scene afterwards where they take a breath yeah it is just constant there's no reflection at any point yeah Mm -hmm. uh yeah no i think that's a fair a fair thing to say i i yeah so i yeah i don't like this movie that much and honestly i probably i like it less watching it this time than i did the first time i saw it because i'm I'm coming to it now a bit wiser a bit more well versed (laughs) in cinema but i i watched it and i'm just thinking i'm actually kind of bored waiting for stuff to happen in the first half to an extent and then Mm -hmm. once stuff does get going i feel like like there's a few positives i'll give it right I do think that, you know, at the start we said this village wants Indy to go and save the stone and, you know, if he's if, if he's got time, the kids. I do appreciate that it really, even though that's their attitude, it's the kids that inspires Indy to, like, sort of take the job on. You know, it's just the yeah. the confirmation that children are being kidnapped. So it's okay, he's more of a hero in this one from the get-go. He's got, like, a noble reason to do this. He's not doing it for the fame or for the artifact. He's doing it to save the kids, you know? I mean, you say that he's not doing it for the fame or the artifact, but there is an entire subplot in the story where he figures out that the rocks directly translate basically to fortune and glory, and he keeps on repeating that as he goes after the rocks. True, but the actual thing that inspires him, though, is, like, seeing an injured kid who's, like, hobbled back from captivity. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, that's it, fair. It, it presents it as, like, a more of a noble goal. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so they're playing him as a hero. That's all fine. He's got a, a job to do, and he's going to try and do it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's one of those things where I just, like, almost the entirety of the plot of this movie, it's it's just one of those movies where I'm just going, this is what we're doing. Okay. I get it. I, yeah. I just, I'm just not into a lot of the ideas, by and large. 
I do think that it's a strange little movie as well. And obviously, famously, this movie, along with Gremlins, led to the creation in America of the PG-13 rating because it didn't quite fit R and it also didn't quite fit PG. And I really get it now, looking back, because of how much just weird slapstick comedy is in this. You would say, yeah, that makes sense for PG. But then you get the more gruesome moments. You get the more scary like dread sort of scenes that Spielberg was going for. And it makes sense that it would be closer to R at that point as well. So it does ride this strange line where I don't think that the tone is consistent over the course of the movie. And I also don't think that it shifts very well between tones either, but it makes sense that it didn't fit into either category at the time. Yeah, I agree that the tone shift doesn't, go smoothly at all it just kind of mm. i don't know it's a bit jarring almost actually i mean halfway through the movie you go from a scene where short round and india are about to die and there's you know actual stakes involved but they play it up almost as this funny moment because willie has to save them and then immediately afterwards they transition to what is probably supposed to be the most gruesome moment of the movie yeah no, and it's not surprising that the last like twenty minutes I think is the best section because by that point we've mostly left the humor behind. Mm-hmm. There's still some bits, but for the most part, it's like no, no, we've actually got like people to run from, we've got villains to be scared of, and we've got set pieces to actually do. And while I think that the last twenty minutes is the best section as well, I also think that it's the least connected. Everything else felt so intertwined. Of here's why they're at this location, here's how they're coming across that stuff. But by the time that they have the MacGuffins and they've got all the stuff they need, it kind of just feels like, hey guys, um, we need to make a ride at Universal Studios and we're going to work it into this movie. See, you say that, but it's all the best stuff in the movie. Like It is. I, I, I'm just going to say it. Like I actually think, while on paper I agree that you'd want it to feel more connected, all the connected stuff in this, I don't like that much. Yeah, no, it's it's a strange little thing where if if all of a sudden the movie I didn't like just stopped and did a short film in the middle that was amazing, I'd still love the short film bit, but I'd question why it's in this movie. And this had that same sort of vibe to it where they did build up to it and it made sense as to why they got there, but it felt just almost jarring, the fact that all of a sudden it's like, and now we're here, now we're doing this. Mm. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I I, th- I think Temple of Doom is, I, I think it's bad. I'm just going to say it. I think it's a bad yeah, movie. Yeah. I, I think Spielberg is not good at doing part twos because Lost World Jurassic Park's a dull movie. Mm. Uh, Temple of Doom's not good. I, I, I think that's... Who, who could forget the follow-up to Schindler's List? That was always a buff. <laughs> I feel like any joke I could crack would be poor taste, so I am not yes, going to, I'm not even going to try... I thought maybe I'll put some famous second movie subtitles onto it, but they all yep. they all get me in trouble, so I'm not going mm-hmm. to. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I like I went into this really hoping that I'd be into it now, especially since you know I, I like Kihu Kwan who plays Short Round. Obviously, he had a resurgence in the last year or two because of Everything Everywhere, and mm-hmm. I've always liked him in The Goonies. So I, I really, and it, you know, I will say this as well, as far as positives go, I think it does have a good, there's a few great visual moments on their own. They're very sort of individual shots kind of thing, mm-hmm. but just really iconic moments of like Indy standing in a good location where the camera will track in on him while he's in like a good bit of lighting 
or yeah. things like that you know there's just there's there's good moments in that sense but by and large from a taste perspective i don't really like what the plot of this movie is and yeah. everything else from a more objective critique level i just i think it's it's got a weird structure i think it's got kind of a weird pacing um you know it's it's, it's there's like a weird feeling in a movie and i don't know how you avoid it in some cases but like there's a there's a moment you know it's like you know we go through the opening they're on this plane and it goes down that's how they end up in india and, and all that and there's just a moment where i'm like oh we're never actually going to go anywhere else this the, the, the whole movie is just going to play out from here right and it's never it's never going to actually have him go back to his university or have him do these other things that leads to what the actual plot is and there's a moment of disappointment as i realize that and i'm like what's going on here because it's not like i have any expectations for plot right the first time mm-hmm. i watched this so why am i feeling disappointed about that but i do it's almost like i'm like okay i'm not really feeling this so far but you know the, the real plot's not started yet and then there's a moment of oh this is the real plot oh no <laughs> i think the reason it disappointed me so much is because it's just not that interesting of a setting really i mean don't yeah. get me wrong there's some cool stuff in india but I think that the setting they went with is you get this external shot of this, the temple, more or less. Um, but then once you go inside, it's all just sets. It's yeah. all just like, oh, you know, here's the cave that is clearly a set. Here's the room that is clearly a set. Here's the temple, clearly a set. So you don't get those cool, as we said in Raiders, the car driving scene, the airport scene, all those like big, here is a location. As soon as we get to the temple, which is maybe a third of the way into the movie, that's it. That's the only place we're going to be for the remainder of this film. And I think it's disappointing because it doesn't have that same level of size that the first movie had. Yeah, it feels small and not in a good way. Mm. Yeah. Like, because I think if you pitch to me, oh, we're going to do like a proper tomb raiding film within the where like the gimmick of it much like how you get you know like man max for your it's one big chasing if you told me oh we're going to do an indiana jones movie but the gimmick is is that he goes to a tomb at the start and the entire film takes place in that tomb i'd probably mm-hmm. be intrigued by that i'd probably be, oh, okay that's kind of interesting that you know you know how, how you're going to play with that but you know that's just yeah i don't know that's it that's it it's spilly that's in it <laughs> Go ahead and fix your thing that's now 40 years old, Spielberg. Come on. <laughs> and, you know, I realize, I realize that there is a, there's a cult following for this who'll love it and think it's the best one. And power mm. to you, but I, like, and the sad part is, is that, you know, I went with the best of hopes that I was going to really like it this time. And, you know, I'd have this, you know, new perspective on it and all that. But there's that sad realization, like, you know, half hour in where I'm like, I don't. I don't think that new perspective's coming. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it is. I. Th- I, th- I think I. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm not going to say I was the same way because I didn't go in with an expectation that I was going to love it, but I also didn't think, oh, you know, like I was aware of the cult following. Of there's some people who really like it, but in general, it's not the best one. But I still didn't think I would find it so disappointing is the wrong word but it's the only word that's coming to mind is mm. by the time it got again to the halfway point to the two-thirds mark i was just kind of like okay how much time is left mm. rather than just being in the moment so 
Yeah, I love how that you being... started started this off when I asked you. You said it was good and you liked it. And no, it... I do think <laughs> I do think it's good. I don't think it's a poorly made movie. I think it is a in terms of just cinema as a whole, it is a fine movie. But in terms of the Indiana Jones franchise and comparing it to the last movie, it's so much lesser. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well. Uh, with that, I think we will give the spoiler warning and we will we'll start working through it. Uh, like you said, the movie opens, the opening title sequence with this sort of Shochun style dance number, which I have to admit, yeah. it's not what you do to get me in a, a positive spirit <laughs> at the start. What? You're not you're not big on musical numbers, Pete? I, I am not. All I could think about as I was watching this, you've got all these dancers doing stuff in time. As, as all I could sit and think was, I still just don't get this. Like, they're not in this movie. I mean, in general, like these types mm-hmm. of dance numbers, I don't get what this does for people. I'm just watching it. And I'm going, why is this a thing? Why is this a medium or an art form? Because I just don't understand it. <laughs> okay, to tangent very quickly into musicals, the way I've always heard it is that in a musical, the the idea that you have to just accept with the universe is. When you feel enough emotion, you can't just express it through words. You have to express it through song. And when song isn't enough, you then have to express it through dance. That's what you just have to accept for musicals to be a thing. But I don't understand why anyone likes watching a group of people dancing in unison. Oh, no, I, mean, it's, I don't it's, understand I, it. For, to be fair, I do think that this movie does a good job of at least making it visually stimulating. Sometimes musicals, it's like, you know, it's just two guys in like beige suits and it's like sure. all right that's not the best but this one they do the whole sequence they do they do this moment where the camera pushes back into like a dragon's mouth and behind it is this entire stage with at least 30 dancers there and all i could think in that moment from a like diegetic perspective is who can see this it's in the back who's who's <laughs> watching this sequence what are they doing this for magic just magic yeah uh yeah also the mountain uh like you know from the paramount logo and is mm. like on the gong with the, the big guy hits before the, the number starts so yep uh but yeah so the the setup of the movie is the indies here uh he's already found this thing for someone else right it turns out to be an urn full of the ashes of some emperor right but the, the first emperor of china or something yeah but he's there to exchange this with the guy he's like hey okay give me my diamond that you've promised me and the guy mm. and this scene, the, the linchpin of this scene is the fancy spinning table, which they keep using constantly to spin things around to each other. Uh, but yeah, so Willie's introduced, she was dancing, she was like the lead singer in the opening number, and mm-hmm. Indy just grabs her and uses her to, and threatens her with a barbecue fork to be like, yeah. give me my diamonds, you prick. <laughs> which I appreciate from the sake of the film itself to get her like involved, but it also really raises the question... From everything we know about these like Chinese businessmen, why do they care about Willie's well-being? I don't think they do. In fact, eventually, one of them, the guy just says, ah, whatever, we'll get another girl. Go on, right. do what you want. <laughs> like, Who cares? I, from, from Indiana's perspective, I feel like he picked the worst possible hostage, but oh, also, all right, sure. There's like a weird detail that I forgot about, and I'd, I'd forgotten a lot of this movie, to be fair, but mm-hmm. like, Indy's got a friend here. He's got like a, an ally a, who's like a waiter <laughs> who shows up with a gun as backup to like help him out in this. And mm-hmm. like within like 30 seconds of being introduced, he gets shot and dies. And I'm, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. 
But see, that's that's <laughs> what I feel like they were trying to do. As we said before, it's the end of a previous yeah. adventure. You know that there was an entire movie where this guy joined India. And they even explicitly say he's been on many adventures. Yes. He's been in this mythologized background that we're never going to see, except maybe Dial of Destiny. This guy <laughs> has been in all of the Indiana Jones adventures up to this point. And he's his death should be this big moment. But for this movie, with us coming in at this point, we're like, who? Who's this? <laughs> I mean, oh, oh no, not him. Uh, uh, so it turns out the bad guy poisoned Indy. So Indy's goal in this scene from this point on is to get the antidote from him, which he's sort of mm-hmm. withholding. Because the guy doesn't want to pay him. He wants his diamond back. He wants to keep this on. He wants all this stuff. And... Willie's introduction here is that when she's set free from Indy is that she starts chasing after the diamond because like a whole big fight breaks out and the diamonds like sliding across the floor as is the antidote so both Indy and her are crawling around all the people running for their lives as (laughs) they're looking for their thing. Like I I, I can appreciate the action-packedness of the scene you know there's people firing bows there are people firing guns there's a lot of action going on what I can't appreciate is just how slapstick it ends up getting. It's too slapstick, a, I agree with that. Yeah, there's a point where Willie is crawling on the ground after the diamond. Someone spills a tray of ice, and therefore the diamond is lost within the ice. I'm like, okay, at, at this point you may as well just have like three curtains and be like, where is it now? <laughs> Take your pick. Uh, um... I don't I don't hate like towards the end of the scene where the the big gong's rolling across the the, the mm-hmm. floor and Indy's using it as a shield. He's sort of like hiding behind it and running behind it. I was like, okay, that's alright. Uh but they jump out the window or whatever. Um during all this chaos, Willie's grabbed the antidote and has it. She's hid it in her dress. So uh Har- you know, I almost said Harrison. Indy grabs her and they jump out the window and they end up falling down some like canopies and stuff but they end up uh, in a car and we're introduced to short round who's driving the- isn't it funny there's a kid driving a car uh as as <laughs> willie points out because i saw willie is just here for this first part of the movie be like oh my god i can't believe this thing is happening yeah and the kids here basically just to ask the questions for the audience so that mm-hmm. they can give exposition that's effectively his role and I guess also because they wanted this franchise to also be a big hit with kids. This was like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. And the same way you introduce a Robin with Batman to like, so the kids can see themselves with the hero. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's even goes further than that because one of Short Round's big personality traits throughout this movie that you pick up on is he is actively mimicking Indy. Yes. He's, he's, he is his hero and he is doing everything in a perfect like mirror trying to be like him. Yeah. It's even a little bit Jason Todd because we find out later on that he met yeah. Short Round because Short Round was trying to pickpocket him and he took him under his wing. Yep. I mean, I was I was going to directly say it, but I was like, is it actually? If I call Short Round the Red Hood of the <laughs> Indiana Jones universe, is that an insult? Because it factually, actually, it is true. Is that an insult to which one though? Oh yeah, double down on that. <laughs> That's the question I have for you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so they have a bit of a chase. The bad guys are chasing after them in the car. But Indy and Co. get to this small airfield with a plane. And a random young Dan Aykroyd's there for like 
five seconds, blinking, you'll miss him. That was Dan Aykroyd. Did you not realize that was Dan Aykroyd? (laughs) The entire time he was talking, I was like, I know that voice. But then the scene ended and I just didn't bother to check on it. Yeah, I I, I double checked. I I think that was Dan Aykroyd. So I looked it up. It was Dan Aykroyd. Okay. That's strange. And this would have been... Is this after Blues Brothers and stuff? I think it. Uh, let me. I mean, it was definitely after he was on SNL in general. Yeah, Blues Brothers was 1980, so this yeah, was this was a few years after. after. So he he was already a star. If I yeah. 84 is the same year as Ghostbusters. This is the same year Ghostbusters came out. Maybe he was just down the street filming, and he so, was like, yeah. "Hey, Spielberg, put me in." <laughs> yeah, this is literally the same year as Ghostbusters, which I think undeniably is his biggest thing. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So. Yeah, so they get on a plane, and there's a little joke here, and this kind of plays into the first movie where Indy thinks he's been a smart ass, he thinks he's away with it, and he's 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 won the day, and he says goodbye to the the Chinese guy that's chasing him, but and he yells out his name, and this is mm-hmm. a smart bit of writing. He yells out his name, so long, whoever, and then he shuts the door to the plane, and it's this guy's name that's on the plane, revealing yeah. that he you know he's in a death trap because this guy you know the pilots work for him, so Indy's screwed, mm-hmm. and I. I really appreciate that moment. I think that it's a clever bit of writing and it keeps the stakes up while still letting it be just like a breather moment. At the same time, you're able to just take a breath from all this car chase and shootouts and stuff like that. But I do kind of wish that it didn't do it because this would have been the point where he goes back to the university or something. We get to the point where we can more cleanly transition into this movie's plot. Yeah, instead the pilots jump out with parachutes and leave them on the plane, and that leads to... Uh, the, the... <laughs> it leads to what should be the death of three people, like, yeah. four times over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's a little bit of them like, bickering with each other and all that on the plane, but uh, fundamentally, when the plane's going to go down, Indy gets this, you know, inflatable lifeboat and mm-hmm. they jump out the plane and you can see it i do like the shot of them going down initially because you can see the the thing actually inflate because it's the first it's just this you know flappy you know empty thing and it becomes yeah. the inflated life raft the problem then becomes that once they're sliding down the side of the snowy mountain they then fall off another edge and it looks like it should tip over and they should all fall out but they don't they somehow physics just starts to break and they somehow stay right the right way up so that they land Look, in the water you say physics starts to break at that point. Physics broke the moment that they collided with a mountain with their necks intact. <laughs> that is a fair point. Um, I'm just saying that if it's like I could almost see it turning over and then it corrected. It was like it was yeah. like a failed destination movie, but fate stepped in to save them rather than kill them. Now, I I guess I wasn't paying that close of attention. Did it correct itself in the same shot, or did they change shots and all of a sudden everything was fine? I think it changed shots. I think it was a change okay. shot moment. So they probably did tip over. They then. probably did tip over, yes. And then the magic of editing, everyone. It saved the yeah. day. Uh, and there's a couple of Indian guys, this old Indian dude's like at the edge of the riverbed, and he's like, come with us, yada yada. And they go to this small village, and then you realize during this scene that, oh wait, this is the setup for the rest of the movie, is what this, yep. this village is asking them to do. And yeah. I can't say I was feeling that all that much, but... Yeah, I mean, it's... It's just a boring place to be. And that's by design. I mean, the entire point is the fact that these people from the Maharaja, they showed up, they took the sacred rock and all of their kids, 
And because of that, their rivers have dried up, their plants have all died, their animals are all dead. It's just not supposed to be a good place to be. However, that makes it really unstimulating for the audience that we're literally <laughs> in a dirt hut getting our entire movie plan here. I think the bigger problem for me is that this plot reminds me of I, what I would say are the worst types of episodes of Star Trek, which is our heroes end up in a, like a, a culture that we, mm-hmm. we're going to sort of spend the episode in and we're going to deal with their disputes. And obviously there's more action-packed set pieces in this because it's Indiana Jones, but fundamentally there's an element of like Indy and Co coming in as outsiders and like I'm not going to say this movie's like doing anything that problematic, but there is part of me that look when I look at a plot like this, I'm going, how much of this is like, oh, aren't like as an Indian culture weird to us? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. If you go back to Raiders, they spent all that time in Egypt, and at no point did they point out like, oh, isn't it strange that they eat this stuff? Isn't it strange they dress this way? Isn't it strange that this is their leader? This movie does all of that with indian culture where it's like oh isn't it weird that they worship a rock okay but is that your place to really say and it's also not like even real stuff like all the food stuff like there's no way all that's real that that, some of that's just goofy nonsense that they have decided they're going to put in for the jokes which makes it almost more offensive the fact that they're like we're expecting you to believe that all indians just love eating monkey brains so that that's like just like there's just kind of a feeling to these types of stories that i've never liked even when i was a kid watching stuff mm-hmm. like star trek or whenever an episode of something uh would would do, oh this is the episode where we're going to do a story about the local native americans like i feel like i tend to not right. like those episodes very much because I, I don't know there's something weird about how they tackle those stories and i'm sure there's some good examples here or there but by and large especially you know when you're in the 90s 80s 70s mm-hmm. It tends to have a kind of a this really sort of like tone to it, this attitude about the white main guy who's there right. who's going to solve all the problems the, and the white savior story. Yeah. I was about to bring that up, and yeah, it is it is a strange. I I do think that back in the eighties, it was less viewed as a problem. It was just yeah. kind of the thing, and obviously, I, taste everything like that changes with time. But I. I I agree with you in that I've always felt weird about someone from outside of a culture being the only person who can fix this culture. Like it's yeah. it's always come across as strange. And I think as well that to be fair to Indy, it doesn't feel quite as bad in the context of it's not like this is every Indiana Jones. You know, the last movie was yeah. him against Nazis. The next movie, if I remember correctly, is also him against Nazis. So he's you know like. It's only one of the movies out of the batch, right? Yeah, and also, I do want to point out, Indy is very respectful of the culture. He oh, yeah. walks in and he is he is not coming in there as like, look yeah. at my white man stuff. Like, no, he is extremely... It's only the it's framing... Well, 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 he's the Willie. one who's yelling and complaining about everything all the time. Yeah, it's Willie, but even then, the framing of the movie itself is set in a way to make it feel foreign and weird rather than something that should just be accepted yeah so you know like so when they're interested in all this plot like that's these are just sort of the things that even just immediately i start to feel so even Mm. yeah we get some hijinks in the jungle on the way to the palace but once they get there and we have to do the whole thing where 
the guy in charge of the palace uh who's Ch- uh, chatter chatter Chata- yeah Ch- chatter lol uh he like greets them and he's like oh what a bunch of superstitious nonsense come in be your guests at dinner and we mm. have to do that the villain invites them for a dinner where they pretend they're not bad guys but it kind of feels like they're oh. bad guys the whole time and it's just kind of tedious and i've always found this type of scene tedious i'm sure there's some exceptions right where someone who's a really good writer or a good director has really made it work maybe mm. i don't know could you compare some scenes from inglorious bastards maybe to like is a good version of that where they're sitting at a table just talking well the issue becomes do you think that they were trying to trick the audience into he's not actually a bad guy because if you just accept the fact that he is a bad guy and it's just a game of wits between Indy and Chitar, the scene almost works. That's but the thing, though. I, all... I don't think they're trying to trick the audience, but I would. Mm. I don't think the game of wits is that interesting. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. It's a very low... Because it was basically just Indy saying, like, hey, we heard about this cult that is possibly going around. The guy's like, that doesn't exist. Also, aren't you a grave robber? He's like, I mean, uh, uh well... Yeah, obviously there's there's some some stuff in the jungle with, uh, obviously Willie freaking out with all the animals, um, mm. and they freaking out with at least one snake. Although he oddly never reacted to the snakes at the dinner scene, he never there was not one reaction shot from him. Though, was it? Okay, so the snake was dead, the big snake that was all coiled up as the True. snake surprise. What was inside of it was eels. I feel like if you don't like snakes, you also don't like eels. Almost certainly, but <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. It is technically a different animal. It was just it was weird not to get even just one glance at him noticing a snake on the table, you know? Dead mm-hmm. or otherwise. It almost felt to me like they were just complete because at no point did he interact with any of the food. So it almost feels yeah. like they filmed the bit of Indy talking to they were the, the Maharaja he- and Chitar yeah. and then they totally were, separately filmed down the table. Yeah, they were at head of the table, and then the other stuff was happening in the middle of the table, and it was all very, yeah, disconnected, like you say. Um, mm. But, you know, there's a bit of a flirtation, or not even a flirtation, there's a bit of a, like, they're kind of yelling at each other a lot, but it kind of turns into, oh, maybe it will become something when they're going to go to bed that night, right? And mm-hmm. Indy sort of starts making some moves, she's kind of receptive. He gives her, he brings her some <laughs> fruit, so she's actually gets uh... some real food to eat, so she's excited about that. Um, I I just want to put down that I love the moves, as you say, of him just being like, you know, I'm a scientist and I need to study your mating patterns. <laughs> and but she's into it, though. And she says, oh, are, you, yeah. are you an expert in that field? He's like, years of field research. Uh, it's it's great. And then I love how it basically wraps up. Not It doesn't wrap up the scene, but it wraps up the flirtatiousness. With him just closing the doors, being like, oh yeah, I'm going to seal the deal. And she's just like, oh, you think I'm that easy, huh? And then Indy immediately has to go on the defense of like, well, I'm not either. I wasn't going to sleep with you. To Wait, be, huh, shut up. To be fair, I think that the actual thing that, because she seemed to be into, like, she, she basically said we're about to have sex. The thing mm. that, that threw her off was when she said, you know something about like you know i'll be the best you'll you'll you'll, you'll have ever had he right. he says well you'll have to ask me for the results in the morning and that's what makes her flip to be like uh wait a minute maybe right. not but, but that's what but that's what i love about that moment is it's just indy taking the metaphor too far yeah he just he's just like ah crap okay i should have stopped my bad 
Yeah, but like basically she says, ah, oh, you'll be back here crawling and begging for it in five minutes. And they clearly both still want to. And she's like, you know, dolling herself up and he's like working mm. himself up. And they're, they're sort of like, he's about to like go back for her. And then of course the guy jumps out of the corner and tries to kill him. Clearly the people running this place want them dead. Don't want them snooping yeah. around, yada, yada. Uh, so there's a whole like comedy bit where like, you know, short round helps him a little bit. But when he comes into her place, he's looking for like anyone hiding and then looking for it, you know, and then he eventually notices some air and he finds like a, a secret, you know, it's, presumably there's also a secret door in his room and that's how the guy maybe snuck right. in. But mm-hmm. the whole time she's basically thinking, yes, Andy, yes, I'm sorry I yelled at you, come, let's have some sex. And he's like, just not paying attention to her because, and he's doing it because he's worried about her safety. He's, you know, it's, it's yeah. a noble enough reason. But there's some silly jokes here where he, when he realizes there's maybe like a trigger on the statue he pushes it in by the boobs, and when he when he puts his hands on the statue boobs, she goes, I'm right here! See, I think, as I said before, there's this weird, like, sense of dread thing that makes it R-rated, and the weird slapstick stuff that makes it PG. <laughs> this shot, not even sequence, this shot of Indy grabbing the boobs of the statue is all you needed for pg-13 to need to exist yeah <laughs> because it's simultaneously too risque for kids while also being too slapstick for adults yes um so Andy in short round uh, Andy gets changed into his normal outfit and they go in these tunnels there's a bunch of bugs and they end up in a trap room mm-hmm. uh where there's the spike traps coming down your short round lent against the thing in the wall and it pushed on a rock and now this thing's triggered and Indy's yelling for Willie to come and help them because she can hit the mechanism on the other side that'll turn it all off and that's all fine. But obviously she doesn't know that they're dying. She's not taking it very seriously. She's kind of complaining yeah. about it. All that stuff. Uh, there's a couple of... like I do love... like See when she eventually saves them and then the trap goes off again because she accidentally resets it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love the shot of Indy reaching under the door to get his hat. You know, It's not enough oh, yeah. to live. He has to get his hat as well. Like that's was a good that, little moment. Was that in Raiders as well when he was escaping from the big rock scene, like oh, the big rolling rock? I don't remember in the last because I've always associated that with the opening scene of Raiders, but I don't remember if I actually saw it. I don't, th- I don't think so. I don't remember it in the last one. I mean, we just watched okay. it. I mean, at the time of record, it's not even been a week for us. It's been like four right. days. So yeah, but that's what I saw it here, and I was like, oh, that's a good callback to Raiders. But then I just thought. Was it in Raiders? I think was it was. this where that yeah. moment happened? Um, huh. And it's actually a setup for a good bit later on. Like, one of the few moments I really like with Short Round is where Indy hands Short... Because Short Round's got, like, a, a New York cap on the whole time. Mm-hmm. And Indy, like, picks it up and hands him it back later on after a big bit. And Short Round hands him his hat back. And it's like they're exchanging their hats. And it's actually kind of a sweet, you know, moment between them. Uh, yeah. One of the few that I actually kind of really liked. So... Uh, but uh, there's also there's a famous gif of this scene where he's yelling we're going to die like through the mm-hmm. little hole in the, the wall which i've seen a million times it's it's so weird to me because i i haven't seen that gif but the moment the scene came up i was like someone made a meme of that that yes. has to have already been a meme it's, and that's it's, just how i view movies nowadays i guess <laughs> it's the way he accentuates each word individually he's like we are mm. going to die like he really and, emphasizes and he makes this weird face at the end of just yeah. like grumpy looking yeah no, no it's, it's, it's been immortalized in gift form yeah i mean it's a movie it's already immortalized it's a mo- but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's been double immortalized we've taken it from the boring ass celluloid and put it onto 
GIF. <laughs> That's an idea right there. A movie theater that just shows GIFs. God, I would hate that and also have to go at least once. <laughs> yes, obviously the price would have to reflect the length of a GIF, so, you know, mm-hmm. you know a few pennies. It's, it's a bit, I was going to say it's like one cent per Frame. 30 seconds that you're there. It's like, yeah, you know. <laughs> How many gifts you want to sit through? That's how many it's going to take up. <laughs> uh, so right from this, though, like they just kind of stumble into the secret cave temple area where we're finally introduced. And this is like an hour out of the movie. We're finally introduced to the main villain, who yes. is Mola Ram, who's leading this ritual. And we spend ages with the character just watching this ritual. And that's the thing. There's the big dark thing everyone remembers in the middle, which is he mm-hmm. reaches into a man's chest and pulls out his heart. And then they lower him into, like, above this lava pit that's at the bottom of this temple, which mm. is really over the top, which I don't necessarily mind that over the topness, but... I don't mind it either, but my, my like, science brain started working at that point, and I was like, oh, you bad. have a yeah. lot... Yeah, you have a lava pit that's enclosed, <clears throat> like, over the top. The moment those vents opened up, the man should have died. Like, it, you don't have to get within inches... You just have the heat coming off of it. Yeah. <laughs> Which then made it all the worse later on with Willie's scene, where she is inches from it, and she's just eh, mildly sunburned. <laughs> but, you know, he, so he does this thing where he reaches out of the, the... And you can definitely feel the editing around this, like they had to trim it as much as they could, because mm. uh, it cuts some from the hand going in. And it's not like... When we say the hand goes in, it's kind of like a magical entrance into the chest. It's not like he's actually cut it in, like, you know... Yeah. Uh, it's a, a magic hole opens his hand goes in he pulls out the heart still beating and then the guy looks down at his chest and the hole just seals up yeah. magically and it's mostly already fully sealed you just sort of see the end of it sealing so it's already mm-hmm. kind of done and I, I can feel the edit in there where it cuts really abrupt with him just holding a heart where i'm like okay i there was definitely a few seconds in there that you've trimmed to like appease the mpa i was gonna say that's the thing that was actually gonna make it an r rating yeah where he just digs around in the chest cavity <laughs> for a while um but but then it keeps going like th- then they bring out more people and they start you know chanting and, and whatever and it goes on for a good another little bit and eventually when they're all done and they leave and he's like ah there's the three stones because that's, that's what was going on in the second half is they whip out the three stones and put them in their place and mm-hmm. all the rest of it so, so one thing i did want to bring up with that is that this entire sequence with this just random guy, we never get introduced to who this guy is who's being killed, so he's just a random guy. Yeah. The entire reason I think the sequence exists is because they had to tell the audience, here's how the final sequence with Willie is going to go. So that way you have this pacing in your mind of, okay, first comes the heart thing, then comes the lava dip. And they had to go through step by step in order to see or have it all set up so the audience had the tension of, okay, where is this going at any given point? I don't think it existed just for its own on making a creepy no. villain. But it's not like they take her heart out, though, so the heart bit doesn't seem right. as important. I think the heart bit strikes me more as they realized they could do it. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and also they had to set up the thing with Indy at the very, very, very end. So Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, Indy swings down to get the stones, uh, which he does, but not too much after that. Like the bad guy, like the the main bad guy, literally pops his head up in front of Willie and scares the shit mm-hmm. out of her. And they grab what? Willie and in uh, data or short round, I should say. Uh, so <laughs> and um, Indy, the only reason he wasn't with them is that he 
heard screaming down the hall. Yeah, he he goes looking, and it turns out like all the kids that have been kidnapped are slave labor in these mine tunnels because there's two more of these magical stones somewhere down in these mines, and they're mm-hmm. looking for them. So all these kids are literally slaves. And what's weird about this is that they kind of like introduced the idea of slavery earlier on in a joke where mm-hmm. uh, Willie says to Indy, oh, you could be my palace slave. And Indy sort of repeats it afterwards, like, palace slave, uh, right? And then, so it's kind of weird that later on, oh no, there's literally a plot here with like kids being enslaved by this yeah. awful cult. I mean, I, I don't feel like that was forecasting. I feel like it was just a joke. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I, I, I do, I do think the saving the hat thing was like to set up how important the hat is to him, so mm-hmm. that when Short Round gives him his hat back later, and Indy gives his hat back to him, I think that was intentional to sort of make that moment feel like it had more weight to it. Uh, oh yeah, I mean every everything that is paid off in the third act, I feel like had a bit of forecasting to it beforehand. Yeah, like they they wanted to set up that this hat is super important to indiana so they have this little scene so that way at the end it's more heartfelt as well the only thing i think they really failed on in terms of setup which we'll get to is how to break the blood curse or the black death as they call yeah, it well, okay so to explain what you're even talking about here yes is that i i you know what? i thought they couldn't do this to kids because the emperor or prince kid that you know is like in charge like it turns mm-hmm. out he's also being controlled by this so so it yeah. turns out kids can be because I, 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 I thought the reason why all the kids who are like the slaves in the mines uh, are still mm. themselves and not just being controlled with this magic blood stuff is because, oh, maybe they can't do it to kids, but then the emperor kid is controlled, yeah. so whatever. But anyway, yeah, so they, we see it happen to another guy where like one of the slaves is now an adult and they pour blood into his mouth and do a little bit of a ritual and it turns him into like a mindless slave where he's just mm. willing to do whatever they want, right? He's like a zombie practically. Um, yep. And it's like, okay, so that sets that up. And they do that to Indy. So there's a whole scene where they grab Indy and they tie him up. Uh, there's actually a, an oddly dark scene in the build-up to this because he spits out the blood at first, right? They, pours the, they pull mm-hmm. the blood in, he spits it out, and they're like, oh, we're not having this. And they turn him around and the big sort of henchman dude starts whipping him, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the emperor, who's a kid, starts whipping short round. And I'm like, that's actually yeah. quite a dark scene. Like I, I really like that scene. If I, if I'm being one hundred percent honest, is that Indiana doesn't care that he gets whipped. Like he's taking it. He's just like, yeah, this may yeah. as well happen. I'm, I'm just, I have to get through this. It's only once short round starts getting hit as well that he starts yelling at them. So it's like, stop, keep him out of this. He doesn't yeah. deserve this. It's what makes him kind of go along and stop fighting so much. Like he stops resisting mm-hmm. because it's for. And you know, if nothing else, I'll say that the movie does have that heart to it where indy cares about short round you know mm-hmm. the, the hats can exchange which comes after this because they, they enslave short round short rounds in the mines like yeah you know digging away with the rest of them whilst indy's being like a, a mindless slave to the bad guys and he's helping mm-hmm. sacrifice willie who they've put yeah. in a white dress and they're going to lower into the lava and it's actually short round who ends up being quite important to this this part of the movie where he hits his chains off because he's the you know he's with his pickaxe and he runs mm. in and he basically says to indy i love you please wake up you know and like this kind of like snaps him out of it it's short round kind of connecting well, with him plus a bit of fire con- i was gonna say connecting him and then burning him with a torch that's the part the- that yeah 
but you know it actually has a little bit of weight to it so it means mm-hmm. something uh so afterwards when he's himself again and they exchange the hats it's like mm-hmm. you know you've had the shit kicked out of your kid and you yeah. still saved my life so you know it's I, sort of- I think i think that this movie did a much better i don't want to say relationship because that comes with its own terms but you know what i mean if it had a much better friendship story between Indiana and Short Round than it had a romance between Willie and Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. Like, honestly, you don't need Willie. <laughs> the only reason Willie here is here is so that during the final scene with the whole sacrifice or whatever, we don't have to almost kill a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, Willie's here because the studio belief is in a movie like this, you have to have a love interest, you have to have a pretty woman... Mm-hmm. Uh, just be there even if like the story doesn't actually necessitate that now don't get me wrong like obviously it would be a shame to not have a leading lady of some kind it would be but when they don't really ha- like justify like her because all she is all she does is complain and then she's a damsel like that's literally yeah. everything she is in the movie you know this isn't like mary or married in the first one where you like you you care about her and she challenges your views of the hero Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing Willie does makes me question Indiana Jones in any real way. That, nothing, so she's just kind of there to be the one to flirt with, and that's kind of all it is. Yeah. So I, I would say if you took Mary and you took all of her best parts and just split them from all of her worst parts, the best parts would end up a short round, and the worst parts would end up as Willie. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? I mean. I think that's been unfair to say that even her worst parts would equal yeah, <laughs> equal Willie. That's true. She would never whine as much as nah. Willie does. Uh, when she has something to complain about, she has a legitimate reason to complain, and it's usually about Indy himself being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's always it always makes sense. Uh, so yeah, we get this big scene where Indy's helping sacrifice her, and he's going to go through with it. He's being controlled, and short round snaps mm-hmm. him out of it. So they fight back, um, and like honestly, up until this point in the action. I wasn't that impressed by it. It was all pretty, just sort of straightforward, fighty, shooty stuff. It, nothing was mm-hmm. that that entertaining. But this, is, of course, is where they run into the mines. They tell the kids to all make a break for it. And we end Although up... I, well, I do love, there's one moment here where Indy has the upper hand on Mola Ram. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Mola's just down on the ground, seemingly cowering. And then all of a sudden he pushes a button and an escape tunnel just <laughs> takes him away. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, actually, right, sorry, we're not done yet. Is this also the same scene where it syncs up with Short Round beating the shit out of the, uh, the kid, yeah. the prince kid? No, 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 that's uh, in the mines, just after that. That's just after that. Because it yep. syncs up, it, this is the thing, it turns out that he, the, the prince kid is also being controlled, and when he becomes mm-hmm. himself, he gives Short Round advice on how to escape. But it, it did occur to me that, yeah, the only reason why we have a kid villain is so there's someone for Short Round to beat up. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Although I do love... They did give the Maharaja, the kid, a cool weapon, I would say. And he has a voodoo doll oh, yeah, of Indy. Yeah. We, yeah, so in the scene where Indy's refusing to drink the blood, part of part mm-hmm. of the torture is not just the whipping. Uh, the prince brings out this voodoo doll of Indy and stabs it. And Indy like, actually just straight up, you know, screams in pain. He's been stabbed mm-hmm. effectively, magically. Yeah. But... But it's it. They use it to great effect because it comes down. Uh, once Indian them all go down to the mines, start freeing all the kids. They then have to fight against all the guards who are there, 
and there's this really big buff guard that is basically Indy's sole opponent. And they maneuver their way through all the machinery, and they end up on a rock crusher, a slow conveyor belt with the yeah, big yeah, yeah. crushing at the end. And the prince is there with the voodoo doll, and every once in a while, during inopportune points in the fight, where Indy starts getting out their hand, he just stabs the doll in the back. So Indy's just crippled and unable to fight back. And it builds up this tension as like they're slowly approaching the rock, rock crusher until uh short rounds able to get up there take out the guy and remove the knife from doll indy's back and to to give the movie credit here from a a concept point of view and like a Mm -hmm. character point of view this is again good like short Mm -hmm. round well some people do find him annoying because i've heard that on the internet before he does constantly have things to do and this is now the second time he's actively the one saving indy he is there he's useful he's doing something like this Indy's survival in this moment is is completely on him and he yeah. does it you know so you so you've written for him you want him to do it and it all makes sense that's all good uh so then we get the actual main car sequence right which you know everyone mm-hmm. remembers where indy willie and short round are in a main car they're going very fast uh at some points almost derails at some at one point it jumps over a gap and onto like the other part of the track uh they're being pursued the entire time by these bad guys and they're shooting at them. And it's a very fun sequence. It, obviously, there is a lot of like rear screen projection and a lot of trickery in this versus, right. say, the truck chase in the first one, which is why I think the truck chase is better in the first one. But it mm-hmm. is a fun sequence. And having just recently played through Resident Evil 4 Remake, which has effectively <laughs> the same type of scene in it, yeah. except you're playing it because it's a video game, uh, it did make me smile. As you know, it's a big. It's, obviously, it's the biggest, probably most expensive set piece in the movie. It feels like they put a lot of effort into this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. I would say there are three quote-unquote set pieces all in the same span of time. The first one is the minecart chase in general. The second one I wouldn't even call a set piece as much as just I know it must have cost a lot is the giant tub of water being poured over and flooding the mines. Oh, sure, yeah, I was was just kind of counting that as the end of the main cart, but but yeah, yeah, it's... And then third is, of course, the bridge. Yeah, so, yeah, they, they, they basically, when they realize they've got away, the bad guys just they've got like a big well of water they just sort of tip over and it's coming down the tunnels after indy and that uh mm-hmm. and indy there's a bit of a gag here where indy because the brake broke on the the main cart indy yeah. had to jump out and use his foot to slow it down and it's like smoking when they're done because it you was know, the friction and he's like yeah. water 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 i need water 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 and then he sees the water coming towards him he's like ah war war what you know so yeah it's okay yeah. So, it's an amusing enough gag like that um, so they end up all like, hanging off the side of this mountain because there's like a, you know, where the exit is, um, mm-hmm. and this is actually where like you can sort of see that they've just cut around them and stuck them on the side of this mountain. Like it's, it's oh, really, absolutely. it's really blatant in this particular scene. Yeah, but uh, and you get the uh, the famous uh, like subversion of the 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 sword bit in the first movie. Oh yeah, that is here. Yeah, where you know the guy does all the sword moves and he goes for his gun. Oh no, I don't have my gun. Shit. <laughs> Which, from the viewpoint of the audience, yes, that was a famous moment in Raiders, and therefore yes. it makes sense that they're pulling it back here. But from a chronological perspective, does he just do this with every sword guy <laughs> That's who the does like a flourish? Yeah. 
he just constantly like ever since he was like 17 he's like ah cool sword bang because it's not like he is like thinking back to that one time oh this worked last time so i'm going to try it again this implies mm. that this is his go-to tactic every time he's in this situation <laughs> yeah and i'm okay with that i'm fine with it uh, it just it gives a weird idea of it in that he's never actually had to do a sword fight because he just keeps shooting them yeah indiana jones shot first you heard it here first everyone uh so unless he's not got a gun in which case uh run yeah <laughs> but so yeah we end up in this big rope bridge and this is where the final set piece of the movie takes place Indy's mm-hmm. caught in the middle of it the bad guys have got our, our sidekicks on one end there's bad guys on the other end of it and indy's plan is he's been closed in from both sides is to maybe just chop the bridge right well his first plan is i'm gonna dump these rocks in the river and oh, sure. let them go yeah. and mola ram's like dude we'll just find them like they're in the like we'll just wait till they wash up like no big <laughs> deal who cares and he's like all right fair and so then he's threatening to cut the bridge which again doesn't solve any problems but then for some inexplicable reason mola ram himself decides to step out onto the bridge and that's the stupidest character decision <laughs> in this whole movie it, well he steps on the bridge first and then he goes to cut it uh mm-hmm. and then the bridge splits in half and like so indy and everyone's all dangling on and mola ran actually like basically to try and get up try and climb up actually pushes one of his own men like off mm-hmm. and we see him go flying past indy in that um keep using like the same four shots of crocodiles at the bottom just <laughs> eating something what i love though that when the guy falls in you see a crocodile sort of like like do like a he sort of like spins or like rolls into the, the guy's clothes yeah yeah he's like mm-hmm. he's like into it this is like a cat with uh some catnip he's well yeah that's the thing that crocodiles do in order to separate uh limbs from their prey they grab hold of it with their jaws and then they just spin and that'll rip all of the muscle and bone off it's called the death roll well he's having a, wa- a belter of a time let's just say yep. that uh so yeah i mean obviously like it's just a fun set piece. Like I think the the main car chase and the bridge scene are the two scenes that I like from like a an action mm-hmm. point of view. They're the two scenes that I think are nice and simple. Uh, they have some of the best cinematography of the whole movie. Uh, as does too when Indy goes to free all the kids. There's a great track in mm-hmm. shot like as Indy's like standing in like sort of silhouette almost. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks really good. So I I like both those scenes as we've said, but again they feel because we've spent our entire movie in basically just one cave area underneath this palace it feels so disconnected to then go to a different location without any sort of like real setup to it like the fact we're on this bridge cool scene love it like it but it feels like we just ended up here rather than we were introduced to it naturally being here I get what you're saying, but like mm-hmm. I don't like the rest of the movie before these scenes, so <laughs> it's hard to be fine. it's hard to be mad at it. <laughs> for, for this I'm not, particular thing, I'm not thing. upset with the scene itself. Uh, I'm upset with how we got here. That's my that's, issue. That's fair, uh, but of course, uh, the the magic stone ends up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, lighting up or whatever. And uh, yeah, I didn't get this bit. Maybe you can explain it. So the whole thing is that Molaram is on the same level as Indy. They're like right next to each other. They're fighting over, sorry, they're about to start fighting over the bag. Mola Ram tries to do the heart rip out thing and it just doesn't take because why not? And then Indy says, you betrayed Shiva, starts doing some chanting 
and then all of a sudden the rocks start catching on fire and uh Molaram is unable to hold it and so he falls to his death yeah along with two of the rocks falling as well but the one that the village wants uh, Indy still has so yeah so how did Indy know what to chant and why did they because that <clears throat> did not feel forecasted at all to me no, I agree. Uh, also, the British army show up here because there's at the dinner earlier. There was like a British general who is the guy from the bathroom in The Shining. That's like where I know the actor from. Okay. Um, All right. He's he's like the the bathroom guy in The Shining, but he he shows up with the army. He like sort of you know shoot at the rest of the 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 henchmen who might still come after the good guys. He's part of the Deus Ex Machina platoon. Yeah, he just shows up whenever the plot demands it. Yes. So, yeah, the movie, like, you know, it ends with Indy and Co. arriving back at the village, and the, the all the old people are happy to see them. And then I realized, wait, all of these kids came from this one village? Because all the kids rush the village, and all these, like, women are all happy and hugging their babies and children. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they literally kidnapped every last child from this place. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's Absolutely. cheering and happy. Indy and Willie kiss the end. <laughs> that's, that's it. I mean, there's a few little tiny things, but yeah, that's the gist of it. Was anything like, important, though? I don't remember anything uh, else important. Um, I, the only thing that I thought was worth bringing up was the fact that when they get back, the village is already in bloom, and like it has all of its greens oh, yeah, and the animals back. And the guy who clearly can't speak English, but has learned his lines uh, phonetically. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it's all phonetically. Yeah because uh, he clearly does uh, you can just tell he doesn't know what he's saying he's just saying the words they've told him to say uh mm-hmm. he says that yeah we knew you succeeded because we you know everything yeah. lit up everything's great again which i guess but at the same point that just raises the thing fact of did you need the rock then was it really that important that you had the rock or was it more important that we killed the cultists that seems like the bigger deal here it's a good question i don't have an answer for you yeah uh Although I do enjoy the bit at the end where, because this is a prequel, they obviously couldn't have Willie sticking around. So despite the fact that they kiss and seemingly share this moment, Willie makes it clear, I am never going to meet up with you again. <laughs> uh, what about Short Round, though? Why is he not uh, ever mentioned or referenced? Short Round got adopted by someone who is not dangerous, a world-traveling <laughs> grave robber. Because I, I don't know if Short Round ever gets mentioned again. Maybe there's like a sly reference in like Crystal Skull or something, but I don't remember. Anymore. I guarantee you Dial of Destiny is going to do it. I bet Without it shows up. I, I, bet, I bet they've got Kehu Kwan in the movie for a cameo. I'm, I'm actually unsure on that bit because I remember them doing a whole big thing at the Oscars that this was the first time that Harrison ah, Ford and him met up for a while. So I, I doubt that they met up, but I do think that they're going to make reference at the very least. They could also just be like working as they could. They could be like, oh, we'll say with do us. Do you think Harrison Ford has the patience anymore to do a work job for anything? <laughs> he seems to care about this last ending movie. He's, he's got a bit of passion. Yeah, you know? maybe. We'll he, he seems to care more about that than he ever did about coming back for Star Wars. That's what. That's immediately what pops to mind. If uh, Harrison Ford knew any of the twists, he would immediately be like, "Yeah, I die, and I'm happy about it." <laughs> oh dear um yeah honestly like there, there's fun bits of movie making and some of the set piece moments right there's some good shots here or there i do think the relationship between 
indie and short round does have some heart and does have a couple of good moments but by and large i just don't like the plot of this movie that much and i just i found myself feeling disappointed by it as we were going through it so um or as i was watching i should say uh and again as we went through it, i suppose but certainly yeah. when i was watching it uh but i i, I don't like willie at all um i don't like the cult plot i don't really like uh you know all, all the haven't even watched the ritual and the dinner scene like i hate the dinner scene uh i don't really like the location of this movie all that much so yeah I, ultimately i i just don't like it i i, I think two-thirds of it are pretty boring like i i just was not invested yeah. in a lot of it. and then on top of that some of it's a little goofy some of the action's a bit goofy and silly compared to mm-hmm. the first movie and the humor is definitely like taking a hit like some of the the hijinks and the slapstick i do wonder how much of this was written and planned after they saw the first movie was a huge hit with actual kids where like uh, kids came in they're like i want to be like indiana jones because it may have just been the studio or maybe even the writers at that point, I'm not going to say otherwise, pushing to make this more kid friendly because they were like, OK, maybe we don't need to have a whole sequence where it's very explicitly said that Indiana Jones has sex. Like, let's let's maybe just that doesn't happen in this movie. And instead we get monkey brains. huh? Actually, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. I believe that because of the success of the first movie they had free reign to basically do what they wanted, I think. And oh. I think the theory is that most of the problems with this are George Lucas's fault. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's people who hate what he did with Star Wars, like, blaming him for other stuff that maybe it's not solely his fault. But he, obviously, he's a main creative person on this. And mm-hmm. maybe Spielberg, you know, just sort of was like, yeah, I'll direct whatever, George. You go and, <laughs> like, you know, right. whatever. Now, now that obviously, like, I mean... George Lucas has got two other writers credited along with him on this. I'm, lo- I'm looking through their stuff, and the only thing they're both credited on as well is uh, Howard the Duck. So... <laughs> I feel like George Lucas had the, the final say in everything then. Yeah. Script-wise, based on that. Well, they're, they're, what I'm saying is they are constant collaborators with George yes. Lucas, considering he did Howard the Duck, and also the other thing they did was American Graffiti. So, so. so there has Willie and Short Round. Okay, got it. Uh, yeah. So like and to be fair some of the hijinks in this if you think of some of the things that you don't like about some of the star wars movies you may see some comparisons to be made yeah there's there's explicitly a scene in this movie where he takes his sword after it was right after the he couldn't use his gun on the Mm. sword guys he takes one of their swords he runs one of them away and then all of a sudden he's being chased by like 30 different sword guys in the exact same hallway scene from New horrors, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. Um, so I, I, I do wonder if, uh, if this is a case of like just like too much, like, like we creative we, freedom, we, I guess. I don't yeah, know. we said in the last review this idea that so many franchises and so many things come back and they just jerk themselves off over being whatever they are, and I think this might have not been not Indiana Jones being Indiana Jones. I think this might have just been George Lucas being George Lucas. He's like, ah, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm currently the richest man in the world. I'm gonna just do whatever I want. Yeah. So I do remember liking Last Crusade more than this one from my my teen years. So hopefully mm-hmm. I feel that way when we get to it uh, next time. I definitely remember liking 
the puzzle elements of towards like the third act a lot mm. more. So that'll at least get me. Hopefully, hopefully that memory keeps up. But yeah, no, this one. I mean, if we're just gonna go into, should we just go into ratings? Yeah, this is right where ratings time now. Yeah. All right. Again, as I opened up with, nowhere near as good as Raiders. I don't think that's a that's a bold statement to make after everything we just said. I don't dislike everything about the movie. I do think that there are good, solid moments to it, but just the structure as a whole, just all of it when it comes together, is this weird mishmash of slapstick and gross-out humor while also some cool action as well. And it just, it never quite felt like it found that pace that the original Indiana Jones did, that place where it's supposed to exist in. So for this particular one, I'm gonna say this is a this is just a flat seven for me. I still think it's well made. I still think it's a decent movie in terms of technicals and acting and score, of course, is great. But the plot itself and the setting is just kind of, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I am going to be harsher than you, and I think part of it is down to just, I, I like, I just don't tend to like these types of stories that much. Yeah. So that combined with, I do think the pacing's bad. I do think that a lot of it is a bit of a chore to watch, uh, amongst all the other problems that I've brought up. Uh, so while I do, there are some positives, there's some nice shots, there's a couple of good action sequences towards the end, and the indie short round relationship does have its sweet moments. Mm-hmm. I gotta go five out of ten on this. Oof. Damn. Yeah. That is a big drop. All right. I don't like now, it. Now, I mean, here comes the question. Does it make the collection? No. No? Not at all? Not even willing to push the cutting it close? No. <laughs> all right. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you that much on this. I'm not, I'm not that attached to it. I do think that it at least deserves cut from the collection rather than cut your losses i don't think think, it's that bad i think that's fair yeah cut from the collection i'm happy to say that but uh no it's it's uh i think the the sad part i I don't even think it's an interesting movie i I think it's uh a dull movie to watch i find myself just feeling kind of bored by a lot of it i think it's telling that the fact that the only thing that I think is an iconic moment from this movie is the hat grabbing under the door thing. And you thought and it... I thought that was Raiders. <laughs> you thought it was another movie, yeah. Yeah. So there isn't that much that's really standing out from this one. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I remember two things. I remember the bridge and I remember the main car stuff. Mm. And honestly, those are the best moments. Uh, the, certainly the best set pieces in the movie. So, yeah. There you go. That is our thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We will be back next time with The Last Crusade uh, and hopefully much more positive attitude. The uh, Last Crusade, a.k.a. the middle entry of the franchise. Well, It was the last one for a long time, to be it fair. It was. Um, yeah, so I do think I'm going to be critical of the opening flashback stuff, but I do remember enjoying the rest of the movie more. But we'll see if that, that remains true. Uh, I don't remember the flashback stuff taking that long, so I hopefully it's, it's just yeah, over and done with. I think it's like five minutes, maybe ten, I don't know. Something at the start. Yeah. But 
so we're back next time with that. Uh, of course, uh, we did a bonus episode on Patreon, as we always do every month. Uh, uh, all tiers, you can get access to a review of The Phantom, which is definitely heavily inspired by Indiana Jones. So yeah. you go check out that. I'd say it's probably more inspired by this one than it is Raiders. Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, the stones are very vaguely skull-shaped, I suppose. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, you can get a bonus episode every month at patreon.com slash TV any, any tier. Uh, the $5 tier and up, you also get access to extra reels, which is us doing so bad they're good movies. Well, hopefully, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, this month, we got what? Uh, I don't have the sheet up in front of me. The one... <laughs> The one that came out in May was Christian Mingle the movie. Aye, but more but more relevant and oddly fitting tone wise actually is yep. Sinbad: The Battle of the Dark Knights, which is coming up soon as the next mm-hmm. Extra Reels episode on Patreon, and it is kind of an adventurous movie that probably fits into this genre. Uh, I don't think that movie fit into any <laughs> genre. <laughs> So we have that, and we also have a monthly show, which is available for everyone, but you can get it early on Patreon, which is Collector's Cut The Collection, which is our Criterion show, which is the opposite of Extra Reels, where we just do, you know, hopefully great, prestigious movies. Uh, so Classy. So check out that too, if you like. But yeah, uh, there's also bonuses for the other movie shows as well on Patreon, so go and have a look. If you want to support the content and keep it all coming and get some more of it, you can get it over there. But that is us. That is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Uh, keep watching movies and uh oh uh, what the f- uh we are going to die